1: Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. My name is Troy Singer, and I'm here with my co-host, Bart Kaler. And today we get to interview a wonderful, charismatic, and energetic marketer. His name is Phil Cook. And I think, Bart, you're familiar with Phil in the circles that you run within.
0: Yeah, that's true. Phil was introduced to me through a common friend. Phil is actually going to be taking over as the executive director of NACAP, which is the North American... Coalition of Christian College Professionals. Good uh, job. (laughs) Thanks. It's it's a (laughs) mouthful. But uh, people who are familiar with NACAP, just call it NACAP. And uh, and so it's um, he's uh, very passionate about his role for the past thirty years at, at Lee University in Tennessee, but now he'll be making the journey northward here to Indiana to uh, take the helm at, at NACAP. And I think he has a lot of really good things to say. That regardless of, of uh, your type of school, he, he re- references a lot of faith-based schools. But don't don't tune him out too quickly because I think you want to make sure that he has a lot to talk about with emotion and passion and how to articulate the uh, benefit of higher education, regardless of your school type, and how important that is through storytelling and through other that means.
1: So really looking forward to the conversation. So true, Bart. So everyone, here is our interview of Phil Cook. It is my pleasure to introduce to everyone Phil Cook, the Executive Director of the North American Coalition for Christian Admissions Professionals, to the podcast. Welcome, Phil.
2: Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be with you both, and I'm excited for the conversation. Looking forward to it.
1: As are we. And if you could tell everyone a little bit about yourself, your background, and your role at NACAP.
2: Well, I'm I'm the new guy. I'm brand new, Troy. So I'm I'm gonna be I'm just be started when this is uh, when this is launched and when everyone gets to listen to it. So I'm new to the executive director role, but I'm not new to NACAP as I've been a part of the membership and the um, organization for many years, due to my work in particular in recruitment and in admissions and enrollment work at a member institution of NACAP for many years. So I've been a part of Lee University in Tennessee for 28 years, and I've been doing admissions and and enrollment work, rather, for 25 years. So I've been around the work for a long time, been around NACAP a long time, but man, am I excited to be a part of the the, the larger conversation as we help uh, admissions professionals from around the country in North America do their work better
0: and help serve our students and families as well. That's great. Well, thanks, Phil. I think um, I, I think for a lot of people who might be listening to the to the um, to the podcast, they might not be familiar with NACAP, and you just kind of gave a little bit of a of a of a thumbnail of it. You know, supporting a lot of other organizations. I mean, it is the North American Coalition. For Christian and mission professionals, and so um, so really kind of focused in on, on on Christian schools. And I guess before we get into kind of the first topic, because I think that you know this first question that I want to talk about is just just this idea of how much higher ed can have an impact on on individual lives. And I think that one of the things I've always really respected about NACAP and and other organizations like it, I think NACAP has a unique angle because of the faith aspect of it, but there are other organizations that are supporting education because of the student success, and ultimately, I think, because of the way higher impact ultimately impacts our society. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that and and, and how that relates to, to the new role in NACAP.
2: Yeah, uh, of course, NACAP has been around for 50 years, and for the, for the past 25 years, many of our listeners will recognize the name Chant Thompson. Chanson, Chant is a legend in the industry. After a long-term tenure at, at Huntington University in Indiana, he stepped into the role as the, the first and only uh, full-time director. And for 25 years, he has served with distinction and built the, the foundation upon which all of us uh, stand and work today. But they are, we're working to have admissions professionals and specifically faith-based schools for our organization to help change students' lives and to transform their lives. So, higher education does that. Education does that. So, uh, how can I have a better life? Well, education can do that. How can I be a better member of society? How can I get ahead and advance in my career? Saw an article, I think it was the Chronicle of Higher Ed this week, that was profiling earning potential and income. Those data are still out there that show students who get a four year degree will make more money over the course of their careers and lifetimes. So, NACAP and schools like us want to help students find the right fit school where they can get the education with excellence to prepare them for their career, but also find the right fit where their uh, holistic development is fully in play. So that means emotionally, that means at a place of a out, that means spiritually because we are a faith-based institution. So uh, that's the larger task before us as we work to help Christian education around North America. And in particular, as you make the question, Bart, uh, specifically at higher ed institutions, that's what we seek to do, and we'll continue to do
0: as we get started and cranked up in my role there. That's great, and I think that one of the one of the things that I I, I anticipate is going to happen over the next several years, and I think it's going to accelerate because of the pandemic, is this idea that. I think a lot of families are starting to look at higher ed, especially with with the way that costs have kind of increased over the past several years. And you know, it's 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 it costs more for a higher ed degree than it did in other areas of our society. But I guess I guess I'm thinking that as higher ed marketers, we're going to need to start articulating these extra benefits that higher ed brings to someone's life. Because I think that right now, I mean, there's a lot of families that are looking at it and saying, okay, you know what, my son or daughter did online for their junior year of, of high school. Do I really need to invest in a traditional four-year degree? Can I just rack it up with, uh, you know, AP credits? And, uh, and and can I just, you know, do a gap year to get them a little bit of experience out in the world and then just do online classes or, or whatever to just kind of, you know, wrap it up? Tell me how, how you see marketers really trying to help help us articulate that benefit, because I think it is a critical benefit that Honestly, I don't want to see us lose.
2: I agree with you. The The challenge has been great in my role, uh, in my work at one institution for many years. We've had to make the argument every day, one-on-one. Macro, of course, we have to do that and get the messaging out. But the critical piece from my perspective becomes – This is a people-to-people business. People um, uh, select institutions or people uh, donors might give money because of the persons and the people with whom they're interacting. So the challenge is even greater now, as you said, because of the pandemic. Our challenge is... Uh, The business model can't be sustained if we just look at it through an online or Zoom delivery. We can't compete with the publics. We can't compete with the two years, and we can't compete with it on price alone. So what we have to do is make the argument that this is more than a commodity. We're not just buying a can of beans. (laughs) We're not just buying – we're not buying a car. We're not buying a a, a cell phone. That's not what this is about. Um, There's so much more to this experience because when you choose a college or university – you are literally choosing a universe that you're going to insert yourself and immerse yourself. So what kind of person do you want to be whenever you come out of that school four years later? So it matters the kind of faculty that stand in front of you or even may Zoom in front, zoom with you. What kind of person, what kind of values does that person have? Do they align with the values that we have as a family? And in our case with NACAP, as families of faith. So what is that worth? Is it worth a sacrifice? We think it is. Is it worth a little bit of student loan indebtedness? We think it is. And and is it worth extracurricular um, programs or classes that make the difference to be, have someone become a better person? So, you know, I'm excited about the challenge. It's a bigger challenge, in my opinion, than it's been since I've been in this industry. We have to make the argument intelligently, cogently, and impassioned that choosing a four-year school and a faith-based institution is the right choice for our family. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's great, and I, I agree with you. I think that that those years of formative years between eighteen and twenty-two. I, I think that um, all of us who have experienced that traditional higher ed experience know how formative that is. How how that universe has shaped us in different ways, and I think that sometimes that also kind of sets us on a course. And and again, this is another reason why I think it's so important for higher ed marketers to understand the ability to articulate the benefit of that universe, if you will, because ultimately 10, 15, 20 years down the road, those alumni are going to turn around and give back to the university and and help other students kind of have that experience, help other students help shape them. And, And I guess that's maybe one of the reasons why there's so much loyalty and maybe attunement. To alma maters, and um, you know, talk talk a little bit about that because I know in our pre-interview you had some interesting things to say about that.
2: Well, I mean, literally, the from 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 what I know, alma mater means mother. Uh, So what more affinity, what more emotion is there in in the right traditional family setting? I understand sometimes with parent kind of upbringing and rearing, there's trauma with that. But in the traditional setting, what more affinity is there for your mother, the one who cares for you, the one who nurtures you, the one who gets you along and sets you up for life? So in that 18 to 22-year-old time frame, it is critical for us to make those connections uh, intellectually, cognitively. But also emotionally, that this is something that uh, a place that cares about me, and then I, in turn, when I graduate, I care about it as well. Uh, I spent one year, one year as a minister of youth before I came to back alma mater and go to work. Well, my take on that was as 12, 13, 16, 17, 18-year-olds, you're just trying to survive, right? Get them to, to get through the day, and, and hopefully they listen to you. But it's the 18 and 19 and 20 and 21 year olds when you see that progress happening, when you see that maturity right before your eyes, that's the payoff, that's the magic of the college experience. Never again, in my life at least, I don't know about you guys, but did I have the freedom to make the decisions that I wanted, to make the mistakes and learn from those in the way that I did, but also to have success, to build confidence and and set me up for success in life. So that 18 to 22 year old timeframe, it's critical from my perspective because uh, we want our students, NACAP schools, all of our schools, to have an affinity for their alma mater that will never go away because of the wonderful, life-changing, transformational experience they had when they were a student.
0: Yeah, that's that's really good, and I know that I know that life-changing experience as they've had as students, and I, and I see this especially in faith-based. I'm, I'm a product of faith-based, so I understand that a little bit more. But I think that, like you, going back to the very beginning, I think the impact that higher ed Really, it gives, because of that confidence that's built, because of those being able to have the freedom to learn from your mistakes, those different things of kind of molding you into the person that you are, it kind of impacts our society in the way that we are creating better people. And I know that there's been some, you know, different folks that kind of have, have made some comments about that that you had mentioned earlier. Maybe we can kind of unpack that a little bit.
2: Yeah, and and it's a real challenge now because uh, many of our schools and faith-based institutions – I'll talk about the one, my alma mater, where I've worked for so many years. We we describe ourselves as a Christ-centered liberal arts institution. Well, the liberal arts, it's been a struggle. The liberal arts, the commitment to liberal arts is fading in a lot of places because families, rightfully so, want to see a return on the investment what kind of job am I going to get from this Phil if I choose to come to your school? Uh, wh- what will it cost me to go there, and what will I be able to make when I get out of here? And I get all of that because the growth in many programs is in the professional areas. Business, communication, education, nursing, medical, all those are where the money is. However, I also believe that, there's, that the commitment to being a better critical thinker, the commitment to being a better person, that when I'm in those jobs where I'm making money, we want people to be leaders – who have integrity and have values that uh, transcend what, what's out there in the world. So the fact is, then we need that. We need that in this time of our lives. Our society needs it. Our government and our country needs it, right? So, yeah, the, the better person, the critical thinker that's going to be a, that has a, a moral base that's solid. And again, for us, it flows from our faith. So, yes, we think we can prepare you for a career where you can make some money. But, yes, we also think we can help you to be a more well-rounded person, a critical thinker, then when you're um, with your employer, they think highly of you. When you're with your family or your civic duties or your your faith-based institutions, that you're going to thrive as well. That's the challenge for us. And I don't know if you can tell, but I'm excited about the challenge that we have in our institutions to be able to bring that to be, bring that the pass right now
1: yeah
0: i I can tell that's great and I, I I do love your passion about this and and troy, that maybe that kind of leads us into the next question about how do we how do we get more into into passion and, and emotion
1: It most certainly does in our previous conversation with Phil, he told us that because of his success that he's seen in his career and at Lee university, one of those things is bringing passion and bringing emotion and selling that as part of uh, how you market the university. And Phil, could you let us know uh, how you feel others could do that as well?
2: Yeah, the, there's no doubt that, and especially in universities, we are part of the academy. We are to be thinkers. We are to prepare students to think and critically reflect and to be more intelligent in that regard, or more intellectual on the other hand, I think uh, the people with whom I've worked that I've really found success is, yeah, I remember what they said, and I remember what they taught me. Man, I remember how they made me feel when I'm around them. Do I leave this person's presence feeling uh, more encouraged? Do I feel better about myself? So from my perspective, it's the it's – the, I heard somebody describe it one time as you've got the steak, and you've got the sizzle of the steak, right? So that's the steak has got to be good. It's got to taste good. But man, that sizzle, that, that beginning of it, that's the, the the intensity and the passion of it that we've got to bring. And students, Gen Z, I'm not even sure what the, I should know this, what the next generation is going to be. I said, Alpha, that's right. You told me that last time, Bart. Alpha, Z, but I'll tell you what, as a Gen Xer myself, real recognizes real. So I don't want emotion just for emotion's sake. It's got to be from a place of authenticity. And it's gotta be a place that speaks truth. When you do that, and you have the uh, intellectual commitment to train people the right way, and you bring with it an energy, my opinion, it's a recipe for success that will impact our students to have better lives and to be more successful. That's what we want to bring to all of schools. And I think all higher ed can do it. Public schools can do it. Uh, I'm finishing my PhD at the University of Tennessee at Knoxville. There is an emotional connection I have at this research one university that's huge. But in my program, with my cohort, their emotional connections to the professors and the others in the program that mirrors this. So I think it can be done at all levels, but of course, I think it can be done at faith-based institutions quite well.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's really important that you kind of mentioned that. And I We actually did a blog post this past week or two about storytelling. And I think that too many times, I think sometimes as marketers and as, uh, you know, I think we're guilty as higher ed institutions, we're quick to kind of roll out the... Um, Uh, the outcomes, roll out the numbers, roll out the cost per credit hour, and we lose the opportunity to really tell stories where I think that's where the goldmine of emotion lies, is within stories. I mean, and we've got a guest coming up in a couple weeks who's the chief storyteller at University of Notre Dame. And uh, he and I were talking on the, on the pre-podcast the other day, just to kind of give a little bit of a, a teaser for the for that podcast, but maybe you can kind of respond a little bit too, Phil, is the idea that storytelling, it's been used for eons. If you, if you want to look at, you know, the way thinkers throughout time, Jesus used storytelling and through his parables. Storytelling is a very powerful way for people to not only intake content— But to intake it not only the content as well as the emotion that then sears it into their memory. And I think that's what you kind of alluded to a while ago is when people are leaving something, they're going to know how they felt about something more than necessarily being able to recite the facts of that. So tell us a little bit about that and and, and how you've utilized that and how you would encourage others to.
2: Uh, I'm walking across uh, campus to find a, a place to do this podcast and make it hopefully perfect for you guys and for our listeners. And on the way out the door, our admissions team saw me packing my office. And I stopped and took about, it ended up being almost 30 minutes, so I didn't want my boss, my, my president to know. But I told some stories. I told some stories about my experience. And at one point in residential life, I cut my teeth in high ed and res life, which, my gosh, there are tons of stories there. If the walls could talk in <laughs> residence halls around the country, right? right? And even on our campus. But I told a powerful story that was the most single, most galvanizing professional event in my life. Was a fire in a men's residence hall 25 years ago when I, or 28 years ago when I started working here. That story, as I'm telling it, of the 12 admissions young professionals in the room, they were to use an over to use an overused phrase. They were leaning in and listening to every word. They weren't born, but they knew there's something powerful about that story, the challenges in it and the successes. And everybody, in my opinion, wants to someone to hear their story. So when I get to tell my story, one, I hope that you'll, you'll take it and be, and be gracious with it, right, and, and affirm me in the story, but listen to it. And, and, and then when you tell your story, professor or administrator, can I see myself in you and what you've done? So I think on our campus, and, and hopefully what I'll continue to do is when prospective students go to visit a school, can they see themselves there based on the story that's being told in a macro marketing way or in a one-on-one way, so a tour guide? pictures on a website, um, a phone call, a text message is, does this student represent me? And is my story similar to hers? I think I can see myself there. Yeah. So the power of story, in my opinion, is not the whole ball game, but man, you
0: can make a case that it's the most important thing. Yeah, I, I love that, Phil. And I love the fact that you pointed out, you know, the different ways that you can get that, because it, I do think that everybody, every prospective student wants to be able to experience and see themselves in – in, in the place where they're going you're looking at it that's why every school I've ever talked to said boy if we can just get them on campus for a campus tour we can really get them here well that's because they're experiencing and seeing themselves in the place because it's physical but I, I often tell my uh, my clients that hey we're getting ready to do your website and one of my biggest complaints is the websites that I see where there's just you know empty libraries or there's you know here's the shot a beauty shot of the of the building that no one is are walking around, no one's in because you know, they're taking these shots in summer and nobody's on campus, and for whatever reason. But my argument is, is that you, students can't see cannot see themselves in that unless they see another student, another human in that, and all the more important to make sure that our photography, our videos, our our you know stories that we tell, the engagement that we give, are all inviting someone to participate and be a part of it. I mean, I'd rather see 30 pictures on the website of just people standing in line a, in the coffee shop or, or you know, just candid shots, you know, kind of call them journalistic shots where just, you know, capturing real life because that's when we can really start to picture ourselves and see ourselves in, in the story. And so I, I love the, the fact that you had mentioned that. And I, I, I love the fact too that Again, most students—you know, 90% of them who finish a campus tour are going to end up at, at that school, and uh, I know that was the case for for my kids um, when they when they were shopping for college. And it's it's what I hear in a lot of places. And I think that being able to tell that story and have that experience is so so critical. It's elusive now,
2: Bart. I got to say that the whole pandemic and COVID has made this more difficult for me. I'm a bit of an old guard guy in that in that room. But and then when you say, "Yeah, we got to get them to campus," well, what do you do when you can't get them to campus? How many, how many technology pieces can you do it? I, I, obviously, we have to do that. We have to be nimble enough to do that. But I do believe that one of the keeping the main thing, the main thing idea is as we come out of the pandemic, uh, one of the things about NACAP that we do are college fairs. And so, um, our office in particular, we are eager to get back on the road and meet people and see them face to face, so they then can come to campus. So, um, it's a difficult challenge, more difficult than ever. But I think that one-to-one face-to-face connection to hear stories and to do it on campus is is the best case scenario.
0: That's great. That's great. And and, and just kind of transitioning into this next thing that we want to talk about, you know, before we kind of end our conversation here today, is this idea that you kind of alluded to the fact that NACAP runs a lot of college fairs. There's a a lot of one-to-one in those college fairs. And, and to me, I think that, you know, a lot of what we talked about here today is, is the emotion, the passion, the storytelling, you know, how do you want to make sure that as you bring kind of new breath into, into NACAP and and again, Chant has done a, awesome, wonderful job. I mean, he has set the table for the next phase. But as you bring that next phase of how do you see yourself kind of bringing that passion? I mean, you are a passionate guy, but bringing that into NACAP and helping all the member schools start to understand how they can be more successful in utilizing these stories and utilizing these emotional experiences and utilizing these face-to-face engagements through things like college fairs. Well, it's um, – uh, first,
2: just to one more time reiterate the fact that I, I'm following someone who's done something so well is daunting. Uh, <laughs> the idea of it is – is and to be totally human, obviously, it's, it's a little bit intimidating. Yeah. So uh, I'm who I am and what I've done, and so we're going to bring that same kind of energy that came, came out of energy, the same kind of excellence, and then we have to execute and do what we said we're going to do well. Those are my three E's that I work on all the time, energy and enthusiasm excellence, and then we're going to execute what we set out, the plan that we do. So that, that, that's on my mind and to build upon the foundation that CHANT has, has set before us. But um, uh, what I hope will happen is the schools that are doing this well We'll just continue to learn from and, and prof- the, the, the other thing about this is that we have a real strong collegial professional uh, respect for one another. So we get together. That's part of it. Professional development is a big part of this too. So those that are doing it well will continue to energize those that might be kind of wrestling and struggling. A very real challenge for us in this industry, in the enrollment industry, is the departure of leaders from the industry overall. Uh, not every week, but almost every week, I get another announcement of another enrollment position that's open, public schools, Research One University. So there is going, there, there's a vacuum in that regard for leadership. So, whatever it is, we've got to find a way to do it. And what we're going to do is collaborate with our board and collaborate with our staff and say, all right, how can we do this, Phil, to bring that kind of energy and enthusiasm to all the campuses to ensure that we're doing it well? And here's what I think about in that regard it's all about the students. It's all about the families. When I feel a little bit um, discouraged or perhaps uh, um, uh, intimidated by the task, I think about students who need to hear our stories from our schools, students who need to have their lives changed and remember what my life was like by that changing. Then I'm invigorated to the task and ready to accept the challenge. That's how that's how we'll approach it. That's how we hope we will execute our, our plans moving forward.
0: That's great. That's great. And uh, before we kind of get into the last thing, I just kind of want to put a plug out for NACAP because I know that I've worked with NACAP for several years. We've worked on several websites and and, uh, and different aspects of that through Chance Leadership. But I also know that one of the things that drives NACAP is membership. And we might have some people on the call that are uh, a faith-based school that might be interested in learning more about how they can gain more professional development, how they can join a group of like minded individuals for that. I'll just give you a couple of minutes just to say, you know, how might they get involved?
2: Yep. Well, thank you for doing that. Whenever the announcement went out a couple of months ago about my appointment as the new executive director, I got two emails. Well, I got multiple emails, but two right away. One was from a Lee alum, who is a high school guidance counselor at a faith based school. And she said to me a couple of things Phil, congratulations. I'm so excited you're going to get to do this. But two, NACAP has been the single best professional development instrument in my life as a guidance counselor. So there's a through K-12 uh, education, faith-based part of this that we definitely want to make sure we emphasize. So if they're out there and they're, you're working at a, at a faith-based institution and you're in the K-12 through industry, yeah, we want you to be a part of NACAP because it is about the professional development uh, my first and the second, was, the second was from another VP for enrollment who said the same thing. Look, I went to a NACAP conference many years ago. I met people to this day who are the ones that I commiserate with and learn from. My first experience with NACAP was the national conference, and when I went, I actually thought, wow, there are people like me crazy enough to do this, and they do it because, because – again, faith-based, they love the Lord, and they love their institutions – and they love what we've done. So that was such an invigorating thing for me. So clearly, NACAP.org is the way to get plugged in and connected. We're, we're eager to have to grow the membership, absolutely. We're eager to grow the professional development, the national conference that we, that we do, and the ongoing professional development that we do. We're eager for anyone to come join us because we believe it's a bargain, and you're going you're gonna to experience and get much more out of it than you, than
1: you could have ever thought.
0: Yeah, it is. It is truly a bargain, especially for institutions. But even even for individuals, I'm a I'm an associate member just to kind of, again, transparency on that, that, uh, you know, I do a lot of a lot of work in the faith based uh, higher ed institutions. And so uh, I've joined NACAP as an associate just to be able to be able to understand and, and and take advantage of some of those resources as well. So, Troy, I know you've got a couple questions questions you want to kind of finalize with us.
1: Sure. Just one last one. Phil, you've done such a great job of giving us the big ideas and you do it so passionately. But if there would be a quick bullet or a nugget that you would share that an individual could implement that you feel would be beneficial or something that's currently working for you that they could benefit from, what would you share with them?
2: Um, I think I'll just continue the thought of this fire on our campus that we had. What I learned from that experience as a young professional was the details matter. That every little detail of our jobs. Preparing for a podcast, getting the the call sheet ahead of time, so I'm prepared to talk about it. Um, uh, I was a server when I was a student, and I worked at a little mom and pop shop. My training was here's the notebook, and here's the menu. Go take an order. It was terrible. It was crazy. I graduated, <laughs> went to graduate school, worked at a more professional place. And they did thorough, detailed training, and one of their core tenets was ATD. The other was keep your head on a swivel. Okay, But the ATD is it's attention to detail. When you go to a, a table, you pre bus You get little pieces. So the details matter. Yes, the big picture of the dream of what we're talking about is hopefully encouraging and invigorating to us all. But the way to get to that dream and be successful it's all about the details, the details that make things excellent. That's the encouragement I'd offer to an individual, to an organization that say, all right, what can I be doing today that is detailed and down in the, in, in, in the, in the, uh, the, the dirt? Now, me personally, sometimes I need help and say, okay, Phil, come here, let's work on the details. I hear your big vision talk, but get over here. So it's about finding the right people to help you do that. So for me, attention to detail, uh, making sure that what we're doing is going to bring us about success and results.
1: Love it. Thank you for sharing that, Phil. I'm sure that for people who may not be familiar with you or NatCap, you've earned some fans today. So, if anyone would like to get in touch with you, what would the best way for them to do that be? Well, it's
2: interesting because I'm in transition. So, for three more days, it's a certain email address. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to give you my Gmail address if that's okay. Will that be a little bit? Phil Cook, P H I L C O O K, 111 at gmail.com. As we get into NatCap, I'll, I'll assume those duties here in, in a few weeks, and I'm ready to go and eager. We have a wonderful staff there, not just chant, but a seasoned professional staff that are ready to go. Got an email from them yesterday saying, Phil, Indiana's ready for you. I said, I'm ready too. Um, so we're getting <laughs> up there, but philcook111 at gmail.com. And then of course, all of the NatCap staff are eager to serve anyone out there who, whose interest may be piqued by the work and the good work
1: that we're doing together. Thank you, Phil. It's been a pleasure getting to know you during this process. And I look forward to getting to know you even better. Bart, do you have any parting thoughts before we end the podcast episode? Yeah, I just want
0: to kind of uh, reiterate several things that Phil said. I mean, I think that the attention to details uh, is, is something that's a, it's a huge, huge part. Because, I mean, if we're going to tell stories, if we're going to communicate our passion, we have to do it with some thought and some planning and some details. I mean, we can't just, you know, tell a story that doesn't have any details. And so I think that uh, that's an important thing. And then I just kind of keep going back to the fact that we have got to, as professional higher ed marketers, really start to articulate the benefit of what our experience is all about. I mean, especially if you're a school that's really focused on traditional undergrad, you've got to be able to tell that story. You've got to be able to tell that benefit because the assumption that that's just the path is eroding. And so we've got to be a little bit more creative in in telling those stories and in, in articulating that huge, huge benefit that very few other places can one individual have such a life change in a short four years outside of a higher education experience. And so I think it's important for us to communicate that, articulate it well, and tell those stories very well.
1: Thank you, Bart. Well said. As we end the podcast, we want to remind everyone that two great companies come together to make this happen. The Higher Ed Marketer podcast is sponsored by Bart's company, Kaler Solutions, an education, marketing, and branding agency, and by Think Patented, a marketing execution, printing, and mailing provider of Higher Ed Solutions. On behalf of Bart Kaler, I'm Troy Singer. Thank you for joining us.
0: You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening with Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to leave a quick rating of the show. Simply tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.